It's good to be with you in, in uh, anywhere around Debbie, it is one's fate, one's fate to be the husband of Debbie Welch. Uh, I'm glad that she uses my name with hers. Uh, but yes, many of you know her, and uh, thank you for your wonderful ministry with uh, Presbyterian Village and support of Presbyterian Homes of Georgia. Uh, I've kind of traveled a different route than her uh, for uh, about two years. I was the associate pastor over at Macklin, which is just right over there. And then I went to First Marietta thinking I was going to be there for a, you know, maybe a year, year and a half, two years. And somehow I stayed for 15. I don't know what happened there, you know. Uh, maybe they didn't find me out too, too easily. And so when Debbie come, used to come to First Marietta, she was John Wells' wife. It's one of the few places I could get away with that. So you know how it is. You know Debbie, and that's the way it is, you know. Someone says, oh, you're, you're both ministers, and I said, well, we're both pastors. Um, all the people of God are ministers. We just happen to have a special job. And they said, oh, well, we make the assumption that, well, you are in the same church. I said, no, 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 no. That would never work. <laughs> that would never work. They'd love her more than they love me, and my ego would be crushed. No, 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 no. But it works out. Uh, for her style of ministry and, and my style of ministry. And now I have the privilege of working with, uh, as a moderator of the uh, Ebenezer Ghanaian congregation that's worshiping at uh, the previously uh, Woodlawn uh, facility. And uh, do pray for our brothers and sisters in that congregation. Things are starting to move. And uh, uh, the congregation has put in a bid to buy a church building in Austell. And so we are still waiting for the, the owners of that building to say yes or no to that. And so our prayers are uh, for that. Uh, and so it's an, it's an opportunity to, to launch a ministry with Ebenezer. And so thank you for uh, Light of Hope uh, sharing uh, that facility with them uh, even this day as they are probably still in worship. Uh, and so thank you for, for all of that. Before we read God's word, let us put ourselves in front of God by praying. Will you pray with me? Living word, we pray by the word that uh, you inspired uh, people to write, that in those words we may see you, the living word. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of the hearts of your people be acceptable into your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Edwin says that it is not unaccompanied for, I mean, unusual for you to have him stand up and say, I'm going to change a scripture reading on you. 
Well, we're still going to have the first Peter, but I want to add a gospel reading. And so just five or six, six important verses out of the gospel of John, the first chapter. John, the first chapter is what's called the, the preface, the prelude, the prologue. It's a, if you read the John, the first chapter, you will get an idea about what's going to happen in the book of John. And so for the people at Light of Hope, the passage that I want to take out of first, uh, John 1 probably is not a surprise to you. You probably have heard it so many times in your discernment of uh, being called Light of Hope. So listen to and for the word of God in John, the first chapter, starting with verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power, or your version might say, he gave the right to become the children of God, who was born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And then the first Peter passage. Peter writes in a time in which things are tough. It's a world that the Christian message is not adopted by everybody. And it's a tough time. Christians are being persecuted. And so Peter writes to a people who know that they are God's children, but it's a tough, tough life. And so this is an affirmation, a real like an attaboy to all the people who are called by Jesus' name. First Peter, verse 9. You are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Dear friends, the word of the Lord. You probably noticed the increase of traffic since school has taken back in. Some of you probably are connected with schools, and so it probably means for you a real change of life. 
But I'm sure that in all the classes that have gathered, in the elementary school, the teachers who teach the first grade are standing before the class of 2026. The class of 2026. For those who are college freshmen, they are told that they are the class of 2018. Some will probably become two class of 19, 2020, or whenever they finish. But for esteemed seniors, whether they are in high school or college, they are the class of 2014. These are their identities. These students, they have a a sense that they belong together. The class of 2026, probably only three, four feet, four and a half feet high, but they know that they're marching toward something. They're marching toward 2026. Twelve years of school those who are the class of 2014 probably have the anxiety of what is to become of me in only nine short months. So these identities are important. And so today I want to talk to you about our identity as, well, let's get into that. Two texts. The John text from the gospel and the Peter from the letters to the churches contain two important statements about our identity. Now, some of you have played the game of Jeopardy or watched it on TV. You know how the rules work. You start with the answer, and what's your responsibility as the player? You are to give the question. All right, so... From John and Peter, here are the two answers. Children of God, God's chosen people, God's holy priest. What's the question? Well, yeah, but who are you? Yeah. Who are you? So let's see what the Bible has to say about who you are by God's plan. First, the Gospel of John. This is like I, I apologize for you to you if this has been something that as you have sought to define your identity as the light of hope, church, that this probably is a passage that you have used often to reflect upon. The image is powerful. It mirrors the opening of the book of Genesis. You remember when Genesis opens up and it says, and God, in the beginning God created and the world was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And then God begins a process of speaking into creation, refinements of God's creation. And the first 
words that God uses to create something different out of the world is what? What's the first thing that God says? So God said, let there be light. And God saw that it was good. So John tells us that John, the the gospel writer, tells us in this summary of the gospel that the one who was the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Heaven, the Son of God, comes from heaven into his world in a new creation. Light comes into a world of darkness, and he is the true light. Then John reminds us of something that's very important. Yes, the one who is the Son of God comes and becomes the Son of Man. And John reminds us that our identity is tied into who Jesus is and what Jesus makes possible for us. For you see, the one who came to bring light into the world shows God's love for us, each and every one of us. Enough, and the translations are different this way, enough that to all who believed in him, he gave the power to become the children of God. Some will say, To all those who believe, he gave the right to become the children of God. Hold on to that for a moment. Allow us to think about, in Jesus Christ, we have the power or the right to become a child of God. John Wells, what does that mean? You're probably asking in your quiet self. And let me tell you a story. It's a story that you've probably heard. It's been um, thrown about for the last 40 years. A man by the name of Fred Craddock, and it's not a very big kind of word in, in Presbyterian circles, but in Methodist circles, Fred Craddock is a big, big name. He, for a long time, was the preaching professor at Candler School of Theology over at Emory. And so he had been at different seminaries over time. And so when he was at Emory, he and his wife decided to take a weekend off. And so they went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, just to be alone. And so they went to this quiet little restaurant, they thought. And as they were seated in the very back of the restaurant, they looked up and saw this white-haired gentleman going from table to table to table, glad-handing everybody. And it looked like he knew everyone. And so they were concerned, and sure enough, He got back to the back of the restaurant, to the table that Fred and his wife were seated at. And he comes up and he says, Hi, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? 
And so Fred told him, he says, well, I'm a seminary professor and I teach preachers how to preach. To that, a chair comes out and he plops himself down at their table. So, so much for having a time alone. He says, since you are a guy who teaches preachers how to preach, i got a preacher story for you. Now, all of you have got a preacher story, right? Everybody's got a preacher story. So this white-haired guy starts launching into this story. He says, I was born just a few miles from this spot on the other side of the mountain. You probably couldn't find where I was born. My mother had not been married when I was born. And the criticism directed at her also hit me. They had a name for someone like me, and it wasn't very nice. My schoolmates learned from their parents how to ridicule and criticize. And I learned to stay by myself during recess and lunchtime. I stayed with a teacher. I stayed with just a few friends. But even more difficult is when my mother took me to town. And I could feel their looks at me. And I could hear the question, you wonder who his daddy is? When I was about 12 years old, a new pastor came to to town. People were really amazed at this new pastor. They were like gaga over him, like gaga over Edwin. They said, you got to hear him. So I went to hear him for myself. And I was fascinated by this guy. But I always was careful to slip in the back of the sanctuary, to sit quietly, and then to slip out during the last hymn. I didn't want anybody to catch me and ask, What's a boy like him doing here? One Sunday, though, I got lost in terms of time. I got caught up in the service that I failed to slip out before the service was over. As I got in the line to go out through the front door... I was stuck in line and all of a sudden I felt a big hand on my shoulder. I looked up and it was the pastor. And we'd never been introduced and so he looked down at me and he said, Who are you, son? Whose boy are you? My heart sank at the old question, but the preacher went on. And he says, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. It's unmistakable. You are a child of God. With that, he patted me on the back, 
and added, you know, that's quite an inheritance. Go on and live and claim it. Wired man. Sat there and said, that one statement literally changed my whole life. With that, he pushed back his chair, stood up, shook hands with Fred and his wife, and moved to another table, greeting people that he knew for ages long. Dumbfounded, Craddock and his wife called the waitress over and said, Who was that man sitting there? And she says, oh, everybody knows him. He's Ben Hooper. He was the twice-elected governor of Tennessee. Craddock said, you put that story together with him being a fatherless child, being elected twice to become the governor of Tennessee. To be a child of God, what does it mean? What does it mean? You and me, every one of us, like Ben Hooper, is a child of God in Christ Jesus. You and me, every one of us, is a child of God in Jesus Christ. And that changes every one of us. We are somebody in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an identity that is unlike any identity in the whole wide world. We are graced in Jesus Christ to be the child of God. And that's important. Now, as important it is for each of us to be a child of God, one of the things that God calls us to be is children of God together. God loves all of us, each one of us, all together. As a child of God, we are joined together as a children of God. I just want you to take one second and look around this room and see all the other people who are a child of God. Look around. For Peter, one of the things that he discovered in the church about 60 years after the resurrection, that it was really important that the people of God were people of God together. Who are you? You are God's community right here, right now. You are in Jesus Christ. And that's our most important identity received to him into being God's child. 
what we have is not achieved by anything that we deserve. We are so often asked, what do you do? And we're supposed to answer, well, I'm a teacher, I'm a shop owner, I'm a salesperson, I'm a dietitian, I'm retired, or whatever you spend your day life doing. And so that becomes what people think of you. Who are you? You are this or that. And it's not much of a whom. And so the most prominent identity in society is the what we do and where we labor in the marketplace. With Jesus Christ, that identity is not by what we do, but what He has done for us. And so since Christ has given us grace, Peter reminds us that who we are in Jesus Christ is that we are, and listen to the, the, the many facets of our identity together, we are the chosen by God people. We are the ones that are chosen for grace. We are called to be God. We are loved. We are forgiven. And we are blessed. We didn't choose God. God chose us. That's very different than our experience that a guy like me who has to wear glasses for most everything. Do you remember recess when you were in the recess yard? I don't know what you called it. We called it the play yard. Now, Coney Street Elementary School had a fence that had hedgerows in front of it. And so one of the things that the teachers liked to do to get us all quiet and behaving was to do team games. And so they'd always pick out one person to be Captain A and Captain B. And they said, A, choose your team. B, choose your team. Well, being a bit of a runt, having bad eyesight, I was usually the last chosen only because everybody had to play the game. That's not the way it is with God's grace. Even though the runt, the guy with a bad eyesight who couldn't hit a ball in a coordinated fashion is still chosen to be a part of God's team. You are chosen as a child of God to be a part of the team that God's putting together in the community of God because God loves you. And so Peter says you are chosen by God to be God's instrument to do his work and to speak out for him and to tell him of the night and day difference He's made for you by making you a child of God in Jesus Christ. It's our baptismal identity. So every time someone is baptized in these waters, what do we say? 
name, child of God, child of the covenant, that's who we are. We're a child of God. But for most of us, finding others who are also brothers and sisters in Christ, we live in a world that doesn't know us very well. So in this place where we know each other very well, we come together and so we come together so that God builds us up into a community. And I like Eugene Peterson's translation, which I read and which you probably found different from if you were reading in your particular translation. God builds us up from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Now, you as a community can be a welcoming, worshiping, called out community, accepting others just as you are accepted in Christ. Grace has been given to you, so what do you offer to another person but grace? It's a whole different world stance. And so Peter ends saying this way. So you're chosen. You are God's messengers. Now live as God's people. Live as an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and they will, be jo- they will join in the celebration when he arrives. It really does matter who you are. What does it mean that as brothers and sisters we gather? It means that we can celebrate like today there's a 36th anniversary, 38th, 38th anniversary. We can celebrate new jobs. We can celebrate promotions. We can celebrate vacations. We can celebrate anniversaries, birthdays. We can celebrate life together. But together also we can stand with each other when there are job losses, when there's illness, when there's times in which we are tested. And so the people of God become brothers and sisters intertwined into a new way of being, a child of God and the children of God together. For the world of in which we live, to see the children of God living out their lives as children of God, transformed individually, and for the world to see the children of God working together to honor Jesus Christ and to minister to the world in His name. It leaves me with three wonders. The wonder of the light that has come into the world to spill into my darkness. 
The wonder uh, that Jesus giving us the power and the right to become the children of God as an alternative to the way the world works. And the wonder of God choosing us to be the bearers of the light to each other, both within this congregation and light to the darkness in the world, to a world that struggles in all kinds of shades of gray and shades of darkness. It's a wonder, but it's by God's plan. You individually are who you are, and it's by God's plan that you as a community are who you are. Because it's God's plan. So for one who has watched from afar, thank you for being you. God's children for the South Cobb area testifying to the true light, the true light of Jesus Christ, just being who you are by the Spirit. To the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.